This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. What does spending time in prison do to a person, in particular to someone who is innocent but has been sent to prison because of a wrongful conviction? That's what we're going to be talking about right now in this latest episode of Canada's Wrongfully Convicted. This is a series that they have been doing on the John McComb Show all week long, and it has just been fascinating. And today, they take a look at the psychological impacts of being convicted of a crime you didn't commit. What say you, Madam Four Person? Is the defendant not guilty? Guilty of murder in the first degree? Guilty of murder in the first degree. Your heart sinks. Your stomach drops. You've been convicted of a crime you did not commit. And before you know it, a guard has cuffed you. And you're off to prison. Freedom lost. It's quite a thing to be found guilty. But imagine languishing in a jail cell for years, even decades. This has been the reality for dozens of Canadians who've been found guilty of crimes they had no involvement in. In this episode of Canada's Wrongfully Convicted, we delve into the psychological impact of having your life turned upside down by a wrongful conviction. Prison's a pretty horrible place for anybody. If you've ever been in one, I think you'll know that. If you feel like you're there unjustly, I think that that just compounds the the effects. That's Catherine Campbell, a University of Ottawa criminology professor who studies cases of wrongful conviction. I did some research. We looked at coping mechanisms of the wrongly convicted who were jailed, and many of them talked about becoming obsessed with their case because, you know, they wanted to find a way to get out and also being very preoccupied with injustice once they were finally released and that idea of being intolerant of any kind of injustice because they had experienced one. The nightmare scenario of being locked up for something you didn't do can only truly be explained through the eyes of someone who's been there. We've told you about Rob Baltovich's story in the last episode of this series. In 1992, Rob was convicted of murdering his girlfriend, Elizabeth Bain, in Toronto. Robert was sentenced to life in prison with no eligibility for parole for 17 years. Somewhat optimistically, somewhat naively, I still felt like I was going to get out sooner rather than later. I had an appeal, so I put most of my faith in the ability of my appellate lawyer to get me out. Ultimately, he managed to appeal his sentence and was freed after eight years behind bars. However, it would take another decade before he was finally able to clear his name. Rob says the early days were the easiest, getting by with the support of his family and friends who stood by him and his claims of innocence. You just have to make certain psychological adjustments. It's not easy, but I think that You know, if you keep busy, if if you're a strong person, and obviously that varies between people. For me, the main thing is I just kind of went into survival mode. And I thought to myself, you know what, I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but I'm not going to let myself be consumed by self-pity or anger or despair. And... 
that worked right up until the moment my mother passed away and that's when things started to get a little bit darker and a lot more difficult. It was really scary, but at the time, you couldn't tell anybody because nobody was really listening. Maria Shepard spent 25 years under a cloud of suspicion for the manslaughter of her three-and-a-half-year-old stepdaughter. In 1991, Maria Shepard had three children and was soon to become pregnant with her fourth when she was convicted and jailed. Thanks to faulty evidence submitted by now-disgraced pediatric pathologist Dr. Charles Smith. Going into the prison system as a woman that is pregnant and you're innocent at the same time, when I left after I was sentenced by Justice Langdon, I was placed in a paddy wagon dressed in a maternity dress and I was shackled at the feet. I had a whole other perception of what prison was going to be like. And then I get there and as I'm being processed through admission and discharge, I'm told that when I get brought upstairs to the protective custody range that I'm to tell other inmates that I was there for murdering my husband. Because if they find out that you're there for an offense on a child, you're done. Anything related to a child in prison is pretty much, it's pretty much a death warrant for the most part. And I think my pregnancy is likely what saved me. You know, I was supposed to say all, all of this, that I, I murdered my husband. But meanwhile, I get upstairs, and there's a large TV in the prison range, and there's the news. So they knew, they found out very quickly about me. And then when I was transported and classified and sent over to Vanier Center for Women, where normally they don't provide protective custody, they extended my protective custody privileges, I'm presuming, one, to protect their own liability, and two, because I was pregnant. As soon as I got into admission and discharge at Vanier, there was an inmate already sitting there waiting to get processed to go back into the system and into the prison, and she was very clear with me. She said, you know, we've all been waiting for you, and you're here. So watch your back. Maria says her time in prison and interactions with fellow inmates amounted to a harrowing experience. As a baby killer, as I was known, I was known as a convicted baby killer for all those years. And people just, you're the scum of the earth. You were just the absolute horrible worst person that could ever walk the face of the earth. And that was hard to live with. And it's still hard to live with. I was threatened by an inmate previously and didn't care whether or not she killed myself or my child. I mean, I don't know how many times I, that I can recall being told, we've been waiting for you and we knew you were coming. I still have PTSD. There's certain smells I can't handle. I can't handle certain sounds that remind me of the prison doors closing, the sound of the, the when, when they're electronically closing, the large gates to your cell or the doors to your cell. I can't have music playing when I sleep at night because I used to have a small radio that I would put to my stomach for the baby and that's how we would fall asleep at night so I can't have that anymore. Little things, certain foods that remind me of ministry foods. I was recently speaking uh, at a university and happened to walk through a hallway and 
the hallways were made of concrete. And I remember looking up and thinking, you need to get me out of this hallway because it looked like the prison, looked like the walls of the prison. Being on another speaking engagement, I remember looking up and it was very much like a watchtower inside a prison. So there's a lot of things that happen, uh, certain sounds, certain things that happen on TV can trigger. I have uh, PTSD when I watch The Green Mile, um, Shawshank Redemption, Conviction, certain parts of movies that I can relate to. And sometimes I get really angry and sometimes I get really inspired to want to continue advocating the way that I am. So it's hard to sum it up. University of Ottawa professor Catherine Campbell says studies prove the wrongly convicted often suffer high rates of PTSD, as well as severe depression and psychological problems. But in her discussion with people who've suffered injustice, they all have one thing in common. One of the things that they told me was they wanted somebody to say they were sorry, that they had made a mistake. What tends to happen in the system is it's usually not one individual, right? So... Sometimes you'll hear an apology, a prosecutor may apologize to a wrongly convicted person or when they're being exonerated, you know, we're sorry for this, but it doesn't always happen. No, I haven't gotten an apology yet. Um, I'm still hopeful that I'll get one at some point. Uh, I can't quite understand it. I may never understand it, but I still kind of feel like there must be something out there that I haven't seen yet that might actually explain why it is that they did what they did and why it is that they feel justified for having done it. But I haven't seen it yet. Preeminent Canadian defense lawyer James Lockyer, who also helped Rob Boltovich walk free, says witnessing an innocent person walk out of prison is quite a moment. One of the wrongly convicted Bill Mullins Johnson. He'd been in prison for uh, 12 to 13 years. He uh, described how it was to walk out of the courthouse into his first moment of freedom. And he said, uh, it was the most beautiful sky I've ever seen. And I remember it was overcast that day, (laughs) you know. But to him, of course, it was the most beautiful sky he'd ever seen. He says despite the enormous impact prison has on a person's psyche, many people go on to do good things. They certainly leave with a whole lot more optimism than they go in. They will have some bitterness in them. They all seem to understand the problems of retaining that bitterness and do their best to to get rid of it. But they've all proved, for me, to be pretty remarkable people. Indeed, several of them have then worked on behalf of other people who are still in prison, wrongly convicted. And that's particularly uh, remarkable when you think about it. Some of them have preferred just to put it behind them and carry on with their lives uh, as best they can. I don't think any uh, of the people that I know who have been wrongly convicted, I can't think of any one of them uh, who has subsequently gone back to jail. Uh, I think they've always live law-abiding lives thereafter, even those who uh, have some mental disabilities as a consequence of their wrongful conviction, because certainly some of them have walked out with, with mental, uh, mental issues. That resilience that James Lockyer spoke of is, unfortunately, not the reality for all of those who've been wrongfully convicted. 
The mental health impact of their experiences can often leave them in psychological chains, even after the prison shackles have been removed. According to an article titled, It Never Ever Ends, The Psychological Impacts of Wrongful Conviction, by Leslie Scott, published in the American University Criminal Law Brief, they often developed PTSD, anxiety, and depression. Some resort to suicide. Violence in prison, both physical and sexual, can add to their deep mental scars. Once released, they often struggle to find employment due to their criminal records. Financially, they may be in ruin, both from the expensive cost of legal fees and their inability to find work. Their personal relationships are rarely as they left them. The never-ending suspicion of guilt can destroy social ties. In fact, many studies have noted incredible similarities between the psychological states of those who have been wrongfully convicted and veterans who have returned from war. Being locked up and denied your freedom for something you didn't do must have an enormous impact on your psyche, of course. One of despair, anger, bitterness, and not wishing to comply with the rules of the institution you're in either. Why should you? You shouldn't be there in the first place. James Lockyer was essential in helping to release Rob Baltovich and Maria Shepherd. Find out how Rob and Maria were finally able to prove their innocence in the next episode of Canada's Wrongfully Convicted. We'll find out how a person in prison for a crime they did not commit can, if they're lucky, prove their innocence and try to rebuild their lives. Canada's Wrongfully Convicted was written and produced by Pippa Reed and Nikki Reitmeyer. For Global News, I'm John McComb. And that is the latest episode of Canada's Wrongfully Convicted. It's just amazing to think that just a simple apology, right, could be so powerful for people to help them to forgive and move past kind of years of having to deal with this, having it hanging over their heads, and yet they can't even get that simple apology sometimes. It's all caught up kind of in legalese and liability and all that kind of stuff.